know what that means? Everything. Anglo-thieves. Gettle's gone. Oh my god, you people have just failed me. Failed me utterly. Congratulations, Scotland. We have just gone full I hear an awful lot of judgment in your voice. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 49 of Anglophies. Um, we've been talking at you for four years now, and uh, we're kind of floored by that. We still like each other. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's important. Um, hi, I'm Raiden. <laughs> I'm Melina. And I'm Kaylee. And we are going to talk about how the fall TV season has been shaping up. It's a little earlier than we normally do it, but uh, we have a lot of things to say at this point. Well, some of us do. Also, it's better than the alternatives. Yes. And a lot of good things have been happening on TV so far, so we wanted to talk about them. Where should we start? Do we want to start with Luke Cage, since that was kind of Nord-oriented and fairly big and just... Yes. Concluded. Okay. Luke Cage happened, and it's weird because it's a Netflix show, so it's not like we can say, oh, the first X episode, so just the entire series... Mm-hmm. Latest in the Netflix Marvel Defenders. I, I've i seen it all. I liked it, but I would say that to me, what I really felt strongly in Jessica Jones and what really solidified in Luke Cage uh, with regards to how these shows fit into the larger Marvel Cinematic Universe is that while I think they kind of fit fine as long as they exist alongside the movies... To me, they really conflict with anything set up by Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Nobody cares about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. anymore. Uh, I care about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Okay, like, you're the only person who cares about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. anymore. Is it still on? Yes! Yeah. <laughs> Apparently, ABC is making it just for me. No, it's just, it used, it got a huge push here when the first season started. It was going to be on Channel 4, which is one of the main channels. Then they moved it to E4, which is like their satellite sibling. And now I have no idea if they're even showing that. I watched the first ten episodes of the first season and then kind of went, oh god, who are these people? <laughs> Why am I supposed to care? And I can't believe that guy is actually Scottish because that accent is fucking atrocious. <laughs> I like the Scottish guy. I, I, I still like the show. I like the... It's had its problems, but I like the chemistry of the cast. Uh, it, it got a lot better when they stopped focusing in on Sky slash Daisy in that first season. And I really like the way they handled making Grant Ward a bad guy. And there was kind of no redemption arc. And yeah, I, I think they, so essentially some of the things I think they did, that they did, I think they did pretty well. So it's back on now with this kind of re, reshuffling of a status quo, which is, you know, TV shows do every couple of years. It's fine. But the way, what I mean is when I say that they kind of conflict between this, you know, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and ABC and the Marvel Netflix is that Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. kind of really did establish itself as, well, while the superheroes are off saving the world, we're still this agency and we want to monitor anything superhero-y happening 
on Earth and, and just kind of keep an, keep a handle on all these things. And I'm like, okay, well, Kilgrave's just mind control half of New York. That feels like something you'd be interested in having a handle on. You know, why is Jessica the one? <laughs> why is Jessica Jones the only one handling it? When on the show, you're, you're specifically said, we're going to go and... Um, I mean, on Agents of Shield, they specifically had episodes where, like, okay, we we all of potential inhumans we want to go after and uh, make sure either they have to be registered or we just want to offer them a way out or something. And then, okay, so you've got a bulletproof man running around New York, and as far as you know, anything like that is an inhuman. Like anything, any any of those abilities mean inhuman. Like you don't yet know that he isn't. So what what gives? So yeah, that's. I mean, I think what gives is honestly they just kind of gave up on making Agents of Shield work in the greater MCU. Yeah, I think once they got the the Netflix deal down, and Netflix gives them so much more creative control and things that you can't do on network TV for a family show. Mm-hmm. I think they were just kind of cutting their losses. So it's more like the the B squad of the B squad for Agents of Shield, which is unfair to the showrunners of that. I feel. But also kind of funny in that that's the show that uh, in some ways is much more tied to the movies because, you know, they had the whole thing change with Captain America and all that. So they get affected. Oh, there's speaking of there's a funny moment when I first saw the first episode of Luke Cage. And I think I sat down to watch it, but I kind of forgot to really align my brain towards like, okay, there's a larger MCU. So there's a scene uh, where Luke is walking past a street vendor, and vendor's like, I got footage of all, like, I've got the guy who's flying in the suit, and the Captain America, and for a moment I thought, like, oh, they have, like, a guy selling bootleg movie DVDs in the on the TV show, that's kind of funny, I'm like, wait, no, it's in-universe, he's selling, like, as if it's actual real footage. Yeah. <laughs> Putting the larger universe aside for Luke Cage as it's shown on its own is... I think one of the things that stood out the most to me was the music. Mm-hmm. It, it had a very specific relationship with music that the other shows don't have. And you, you what I think what everybody kind of thinks, what likes the most about these Netflix shows is that they do kind of all get their own identity. Mm-hmm. Though Jessica Jones didn't have to be anything like Daredevil and Luke Cage didn't, didn't have to be anything like either one of those shows. And this one being so sad in Harlem and having and as a kind of big love story to the identity of Harlem and as somebody who's you know outside of both New York and America when I think of Harlem I do think of the culture of music Mm -hmm. that's kind of the association so you know Luke Cage had one of the big place settings was the nightclub and there was always a scene of somebody singing and the music was really good the singers they got were really good I really liked it so that was that was really nice it actually made me think of the get down the other Netflix show that was tied to music and black culture and black music, um, which I've seen one episode of, haven't watched the rest of it yet, but it it, it was, that show was pretty unique and, and pretty good too. Yeah, the pilot, I haven't seen the rest of the show, but the pilot is great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, it is Baz luhrmann as all hell, but it is just, it's never dull. It's bizarre and kind of terrible in places, but really fun to watch. Yeah, that's and what that I've been hearing about it. Amazing, just oh, I could watch those those kids in that film, for, that show for just you know years. Mm-hmm. 
it took me so long. Yeah, it took me so long to recognize Jaden Smith as Jaden Smith because I guess I just couldn't believe that he'd be in a relatively minor role like that. Yeah, although I do like the fact that he is the the artistic, vaguely weird one of the group, which feels quite apt. (laughs) Yeah. The one thing I didn't like about, I'm still not sure I like about Luke Cage is, so they've been using Rosario Dawson's uh, Claire Temple as Mm -hmm. a kind of through line to all the shows. She was on Jessica Jones too, which, you know, I really like her. I both really like the character and like her, so I was really happy with it. But on Luke Cage, the spoilers, spoiler alert for everything we speak of, by the way. On Luke Cage, they eventually make her a love interest. Mm -hmm. And I'm not such a big fan of like yeah she I, I like the characters so because see where the character is very lovable but the kind of like claire the universal love interest for the netflix shows is not so much doing it for me because they already i i know they uh she and matt from daredevil don't actually have a relationship like they don't owe each other or anything like that but it's 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 kind of weird to me whether they're now positioning her as a person who's gonna like what fall in love with every superhero she meets that was a little off-putting and i wasn't so much a fan Mm. I've only seen the first couple of episodes of Luke Cage just I've been busy and it it does kind of require that you pay attention to what's going on and I like it I like it it doesn't speak to me as deeply as Jessica Jones did which is fine I'm not saying that that's a weakness or anything but like Jessica Jones spoke to my experience as a woman and i'm seeing like black twitter talking about how unapologetically black luke cage is and that's great that marvel has finally sort of come up with with a story that speaks to that and is giving it space to to be what it is and be clearly as inspired by black exploitation films of the seventies as it is. And all of the acting is fantastic. Misty Knight is a goddess. She's just a goddess. Alfred Woodard. Alfred Woodard. It's so in a role that is um, really unlike what I feel like what I've seen her do before. And she's so great. And yeah, I, I love her. I don't remember the actor's name. Uh, the character, the actor plays Shade, so like their characters together. Man, mm-hmm. I love me some villain couples, <laughs> even if they're not necessarily couples in traditional sense. I just, you know, I part of me really wants to just kind of snarkily point out, isn't it a pity that Asian Americans don't get anything like that because they still have to have, they still have to have a white dude as Iron Fist. Yep. Oh my God! I that trailer is just. Oh. I know. I know. I know. We've been waiting for you, the special one, though, who finally came because there's nobody in Asia who could compare to you. Oh, fuck. Right. There's no one else. In, there's nobody in Asia that could fight all of the Asian villains. Yeah. Oh, and, and knowing that the guy who is playing the villain did campaign to play the lead, and they were still like, oh, you're pretty much perfect, but we're going to give it to this white guy. Who is the white guy again? It doesn't matter. Exactly. So, yeah, like. I feel like Marvel are kind of on the the one step forward, two steps back system. Mm-hmm. Which, in fairness, in comparison to DC, who are basically on the midnight train backwards, um, you know, mm-hmm. like we're on a sliding scale. See, I also finally checked out Netflix's Marco Polo. 
Mm. And let me tell you, the bits with the actual Marco Polo are the most boring ones. Every time there's a scene with him, I'm like, can can, can we move on? <laughs> yeah. That show kind of slid under the radar when Netflix. They spent so much money on it. And it's one that people kind of get round to watching after they're done with the Marvel shows and all the other things. Yeah. Yeah, it was one of their really early originals that they were kind of like, yes, this is a thing. We'll uh, see how it goes. I believe they put it out the same time as Orange is the New Black, thinking that that would be the kind of also ran. Mm-hmm. Was it going to be their big counterpiece to uh, Game of Thrones, I'm guessing? I, don't I think, think on so. some level they were hoping for that, but I think anything that has that kind of epic scale and budget to match is always going to get the it's the new Game of Thrones comparison, which is what Westworld is getting, despite the fact that really the only thing it seems to have in relation to, to Game of Thrones is money and rape. I can talk about Westworld. I've, I've, I've seen it. <laughs> okay, well, we'll loop back around to you. Uh, <laughs> others of us have shows to talk about, too. No, I'm just saying, I can speak mm-hmm. to I've done homework! Please notice me! (laughs) (laughs) This is the thing, like, usually Brits, because of the way that satellite TV and on-demand and Netflix and stuff works, we usually, eight times out of ten, get the new shows within a week of America. But really, a lot of the most talked-about shows of the season, we haven't even got air dates for. Uh Weird. It's really irritating! God damn it, Brexit! This is going to be the future! <laughs> I mean, like we've got Bake Off, which kind of makes up for it, but we've only got one more season of that, and then I don't know what's happening. Oh, to it. the Bake Off, mm-hmm. the Bake Off scandal. Bake Off scandal. Do we want to touch on Bake Off scandal? Of yes. course, we want to touch yes. on Bake Off scandal. <laughs> this is very important news, Kaylee. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I did have a, a number of Americans get in touch with me over Twitter and be like, "Is this really as big a deal in Britain as it seems to be?" And it was like, "Yeah." Like, literal front page news on multiple newspapers. Literal six o'clock news headline story. Like, doesn't even cover it. So yeah, I will... For those of you who have not seen The Great British Bake Off, and you should, because it's great. You should. You should. It's so adorable. I believe in America it's called The Great British Baking Competition. The Great British Baking Show. Baking Show. Yes. Because Bake Off is owned by someone. Pillsbury. Oh, okay. So yeah, it is basically... A reality show competition where 12 amateur bakers are put in a tent and told to bake things. And that sounds really dumb, but it is, (laughs) it is such a surprisingly sweet and earnest show. It's, there's no manufactured drama. There's no rivalries or anything like that you would see on, say, any American reality show ever. It's, it's an extremely British show, but in a nice way, where being British isn't, like, a kind of byword for being an awful racist. <laughs> uh, last year's winner of the show, a woman called Nadia Hussein, has basically become the new sweetheart of British TV. And has signed an exclusive deal with BBC, by the way, which we'll get back to. Mm-hmm. So, as the most popular show on British TV, the producers of the show, Love Productions, they, cre- they created the show and they sold it to the BBC. And it was Harvard on BBC kind of grew to what it is and it's a very BBC show but BBC are under a lot of funding pressure right now as well as a lot of management problems due to many many decades of sex abuse cover-ups that have only just come to light oh and we have a conservative government in power who do not like the BBC so keep cutting their funding so that meant 
that when Love Productions came for the renewal deal, they said, you know, we want more money. So BBC offered them double what they were getting. So they were originally getting, I think, seven million a series, and they offered 14 million a series. Love Productions wanted 25 million. BBC mm-hmm. said no, so Love Production went to Channel 4, which is also another publicly owned channel, but it's one that has advertising. Mm-hmm. BBC don't do adverts. When this was announced, it was like literal front page news, as I said. This was a huge deal. Partly because of what it symbolises in terms of the increasing selling off of British media, the BBC and such, but also just because everyone really likes Bake Off. <laughs> the problem that well, Rough Productions had, and I don't think they seemed to know this, was that the hosts of the show, Mel Geodrick and Sue Perkins, who are a comedy duo called Mel and Sue, had not signed on to do any extra series. Their contract was already up. So they said, thank you, but we're not going to go to Channel 4. Then there were the judges, Mary Berry and Paul Hollywood. Mary Berry is a, like, Nigella Lawson-level icon of uh, food shows and cooking here. Mm -hmm. She's, you know, lovely and sweet and basically said, you know, I think my time is up as well. I won't be going. My loyalty is to the BBC. And then Paul fucking Snaky Hollywood... (laughs) <laughs> who is basically like if Guy Fieri was British and silver-haired and even more of a wanker. Uh, I have to disagree with you there. <laughs> Guy oh. Fieri is way worse than you think he is. Is he? Really? Yes. Oh, come on. That's oh. how they get you. This is how Paul Hollywood gets you. But he signed on to do, I believe, two <laughs> or three seasons. And the, the rumor was that he was getting tens of millions of pounds to do this. And the people who were jumping to his defense saying, you know what, he's got a family to feed as well. And I'm like, oh my god, seriously, it's ending the clowns. For those of you who do not know as well, Paul Hollywood once went over to America to present the American version of Bake Off. Had an affair with the host of that show, got caught and then crawled publicly back to his wife over it. So, snake, great British snake off. (laughs) Which has made him obviously a bit of a topic of divisive discussion in Britain now with Bake Off fans some people who say well I'm probably still going to watch it and other ones are like no it's over for me a former contestant on the show from a couple of years ago referred to Paul Hollywood as a peacocking man child which one was that? Ruby Okay. <laughs> she, said he used to, she said he used to turn up to work every morning in a Lamborghini with the smell of testosterone smothering them all in the air Aww. awesome <laughs> so we don't really know what's going to happen with Bake Off. We've heard the rumours that Channel 4 are going to do it without adverts, but they're going to have so much product placement in the show that they're going to be able to make more money than they will have adverts. Mm-hmm. So basically you're going to be seeing, you know, now it's time for the technical challenge, sponsored by McVitie's, and just waving these biscuits around on the screen. There's The rumour of how much they paid for it seems to fluctuate no more, depending on the source. The lowest I've seen was $30 million. The highest I've seen was $75 million. I'm inclined to believe it's more to the lower end. Because mm-hmm. no one's going to pay $75 million for Paul Hollywood in a tent. So there's already a lot of rumours floating around as to who's going to be the new hosts. Um, I've also heard that BBC has said, well, we might start a rival baking show with Mary Berry. And Mel and Sue. And Mel and Sue. Welcome to the wonderful United Kingdom baking competition. (laughs) (laughs) They're totally going to do something like that. They're going to do like what Simon Cowell did when he made the X Factor. It's like, legally, it's not pop idol, so we can do this. So, you know, 
I would probably watch it depends like because the thing is the thing that makes the show so good is just that chemistry between the four of them yeah Mel and Sue have, are, are national treasures here but it's it's not like you could easily replicate that kind of thing and I think a lot of people are worried that the show will start being a, a, a bit meaner it mm-hmm. won't be as as nice and earnest I mean last was it last year or the year no I think it was the year before the most dramatic thing that happened was a guy his baked Alaska didn't set so he threw it in the bin mm-hmm. that is as dramatic as this has gotten like right. it's a show it's far too sweet to do anything else so the worry is what's going to happen when it goes to channel four who are host, home to some like one one they're home to Gordon Ramsay who isn't as like sweary on British TV as he is on American TV for some reason but there's a much more of a tone of like, let's pit all these people against each other, throw in drama and see what happens. Mm-hmm. So I would like them to keep the formula and I would like them to, if they, if they can't have the, the, the original host, let's bring in someone, you know, who can match. I just, I don't know who would. The current favourite with the bookies to be the next host is Jerry Horner, formerly known as Jerry Halliwell. Oh, what? Yeah. She's still alive. Yeah, she's pregnant she's now still, as well. Well, that's kind of a mean thing to say. <laughs> Oh, I don't hey, know why. Look, it's been a, it's been a weird week, and I'm not a nice person. <laughs> <laughs> so th- there are um, obviously the bookies' favorites. I believe the favorite to replace Mary Berry is Nigella Lawson. Okay, like I like Nigella Lawson. I just I I don't trust Paul Hollywood to keep his hands to himself. No, but oh, I no. do trust Nigella to be able to stab him. I was about to say, but I do trust that y'all to have a knife on her person. Yeah. <laughs> and know how to use it. <laughs> Out of the bookies' favourites for the next period, the one, that I, like, the one that I think would do a good job would be Claire Balding, who is a sports presenter here. She did um, the lion's share of the coverage for the Olympics here. Mm-hmm. And she's probably the most famous gay woman in Britain who isn't Sue Perkins. <laughs> So if they want to continue with a theme there. Yeah, right. like I said, it's because it is such a, a big deal, it's kind of overshadowed this current season of Bake Off. Mm-hmm. For, there is no Nadia this year. There is no one who I am actively rooting for. I'm just kind of rooting against the two I dislike. And I know that it's really stupid of me to dislike two people under baking. And it, mostly because one of them just irritates me. But my favourite contestant got William sent home this week. So, you know. Burn it all down. I'd like to point out that dislike of people for their baking was probably the most British thing you've ever said to us. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, my, okay, I mean, this is also just very me, but I really don't like one of the contestants because he kind of looks like a ginger Eddie Redmayne. No, oh, no, that's fair. See, right? You, you, you get yeah, me. You get now me. I see it. Now I see it. <laughs> so by default, I'm rooting for Jane and Selassie. Selassie, I think, is going to go home next week because he's just not as consistent. No. But he's very sweet and chill. <laughs> he is very sweet. Um, I do like Candace. I know she's oh. one of the ones you don't like. Well, I know she's a very good baker, but every time she's sort of purses her lips, and I know that this is just internalized misogyny on my part, I just can't deal with it. But she's going to be really successful. This time next year, she's going to have a cooking show where she wears floral dresses and listens to smooth jazz and cooks bone broth and things with chai. It's very specific. (laughs) That's the big cooking show thing in our country right now is, you know, clean eating, which is the biggest crock of shit. Yes, it is. 
we ever do an episode on cooking shows, that is a, a full like forty minute argument. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have an episode on cooking shows at some point. So yes, if you haven't seen Bake Off, it is incredibly comforting. Watch that and then watch the Supersizers. Definitely watch the Supersizers. It's amazing. It's, it's like amazing. <laughs> all of the great puns that Sue Perkins has in Bake Off are just elevated to single entendres and she's also drunk during <laughs> Supersizers. Yep. But historically drunk. <laughs> yes, historically drunk. It's great. It's for research. Definitely. So yeah, it's, still been a great, it's not been a very exciting season for, for British TV for me. I, I will come back to like the other two shows I've watched. <laughs> yeah. So what about you, Raiden? What have you been watching? I want to start off talking about Queen Sugar. <gasps> oh, it's not getting broadcast here and I'm really sad. What? Doesn't it's have an air terrible. date, doesn't have a network or anything. How does Oprah not have that sorted yet? I mean, guess things have been a little busy and crazy here, but she... come on, Oprah. Come on. Priorities, Queen... damn it. Queen Sugar is on the Oprah Winfrey Network, and it's Ava DuVernay's show. It's a family drama set in Louisiana about three siblings who collectively inherit their father's sugarcane farm. And all of the the bullshit and drama that surrounds all of that. And it stars Rutina Wesley, who has again, found a showrunner that respects her as an actress and respects her character as a person. And I'm so excited about that because I'm going to be forever angry about how True Blood treated her. As we all should be. (laughs) We all should be. And a whole bunch of new faces. And Ava found all women directors to direct each show of the first season and has a diverse crew. So like their cinematographer and lighting people actually know how to light black skin. So it looks good and can be seen by the camera. Or just as an example. (laughs) And it's like the Mickey Kendall and I did a stuff. You should be watching post on smart bitches about it, which we will link to. And I think the last black family drama we had was um, Under One Roof in 1995. Wow. Yeah. I mean, like, Empire is a soap opera. It's not really a family drama. And How to Get Away with Murder is, is a soap opera and definitely not a family drama. But it's such a good show, and everybody should be watching it. And if you're not watching Queen Sugar... Either you're in Britain and you have been blocked out of it, or I just don't know what you're doing with your life. See, this is one of the things, like, I know that it really, the big issue of a lot of TV critics is the idea of quote-unquote peak TV. Mm-hmm. Which I understand if you are a critic and you have an obligation to kind of review everything, and now there are so many channels and different means of watching TV and different things out there that it can be hard to keep up. But I don't think even five years ago you would have gotten something like Queen Sugar on a network of any kind. Yeah, definitely. Or, you know, the, the Marvel stuff on Netflix or even some of the stuff that HBO were doing is so much different from what HBO would be doing 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. So I'm all in favor of peak TV. Just bring some of it to Britain, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I've got Netflix. Just put it on there. Yeah. <laughs> or Amazon, because my dad's paying for it. 
That is such a great thing about Netflix is that because they kind of own all the global rights, everybody can see it at once and you can talk to your friends around the world and, you yeah, know, everybody gets to watch nice at their thing. pace. It's really fun because in the UK Netflix, the first season of Hannibal is now available on Netflix. So I got a text from one of my friends saying, is this show going to freak me out or will I be able to withstand all the violence to watch all the cool religious imagery? And I was like, I don't know if I can help you here. I do not feel like I'm an unbiased source on this subject. Nope. <laughs> if you're okay with people having mushrooms off of their skin, I think you'll be okay. You never did get back to me, actually, now that I think about it. Hmm. Hannibal is fully on Canadian Netflix, so that's nice. Canada's having, this is kind of on TV theme, but off the topic of a specific show. Canada's having this shakeup in its streaming services happening. So we have, we don't have Hulu, and I do not believe that Amazon Prime streams on the Canadian Amazon. I'm not entirely sure if you, like, if you have an American account, maybe you can manage it, but there isn't an official Canadian Amazon stream. Instead, like, we have our Netflix, uh, and the two big cable service companies, which is Rogers and Bell, each started their own streaming service, which at First, they try, it was just for the subscribers, and then a couple of months, they opened it to everybody. But the Rogers one, Show Me, has only been open for two years, since November 2014, and they've just declared they're shutting it down. Which kind of was a bummer, because I just went ahead and got it, because it had the Americans, it has West Wing, which I own on DVDs, but whatever, it's more convenient to stream. It has Parks and Rec, <laughs> has Vikings, instead of, and so it just had a bunch, so... Now I'm sitting here waiting. Like I've I've just gotten into Americans, and Raiden was so curious to kind of see it. I my really, life. really am. <laughs> and there's no word yet on who'll pick up their library. I'm assuming the other streaming services will take the opportunity to divvy up, so to say, the various offerings. But yeah, we'll see. We'll see what what ha- what's gonna happen after that. I'm. I mean, it'd be great if Netflix just have everything, because then you only have to subscribe to one, but I have to remind myself the monopolies are bad. Convenient, but bad. It's true. Well, you've heard the rumors that Disney want to buy Netflix now, right? Oh, God. (laughs) They really do just want to own everything. I feel like I should be giving them my shoes. They don't want Twitter. (laughs) Well, they're not stupid. None of us want Twitter. It's just what we have. Yeah, like, nobody wants Twitter. Come on, streaming services, get on board. This is what drives people to VPNs. Do we want to talk about Westworld? Let's talk about Westworld. (laughs) I really can't talk about Westworld too much because my HBO Go source had to go cancel (laughs) had to go had to cancel their (laughs) subscription due to economic concerns, which is fine. Um, But. So I have not watched Westworld yet. I will once uh, we kind of see how things are going, but I'm tired of a lot of rapiness. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll just do a quick overview for viewers who I don't know I, I haven't seen promos for it, but based on a Michael Crichton novel, who and Michael Crichton then wrote and directed a, a movie in the '70s, Westworld being a kind of amusement park where you pay money to have a... 
it's it's kind of like an MMO, but in real life, you essentially pay money to come there, dress up in your Wild West outfit, and you can there's they have scripted adventures that will happen that you you kind of jump into whichever one appeals to you. And this is in an unspecified future time where androids have gotten super realistic, and they may be becoming sentient and killing everybody. We don't know yet. Destroy all humans. But- Given that it's Michael Crichton, it, they definitely are becoming sentient or <laughs> humans. Yeah, it's pretty a much. Spoiler, come on, that's Michael Crichton. <laughs> so I can't comment on this in terms of America, but uh, so we get the Westworld on Sky Atlantic, which is the big Sky Channel where most of the American imports go, especially the HBO ones. If you are watching any Sky Channel at any given time, you're going to see at least one Westworld advert per ad break i'm not even exaggerating i've seen the westworld ad so many times i mean they're pushing this hard this show cost i believe 100 to 150 million dollars for its first season Mm -hmm. and hbo need this hit because game of thrones is coming to an end soon and they spent 100 million dollars on a show called vinyl which they cancelled after one season because everyone hated it so they need something that people are going to get invested in on an epic scale for five or six seasons, maybe. Yeah. Which I get. And I get the arguments from some critics and some fans that the show is critiquing a strain of masculinity, critiquing toxic male-driven culture. I get get that. And I've only seen the pilot. I don't think it did. Mm -hmm. I feel like replicating all of those standards, but just pointing out that you are doing it is not subverting it i just yeah. found it so and and i get that on some level it's not a show for me and i wonder if you guys are on the front as well but it feels like i'm just kind of sick of everything being pandered to men and this is a very male pandery show i felt mm-hmm. even though it has interesting women in it but they are quite literally objects in the story and I'm sure that we'll build to that, but I just, I don't understand why I have to see so much brutality before we get to all that. Yeah, it's definitely in that very, I want to, I don't know whether to say classic or old fashioned mold, nihilistic mold of if you give human beings kind of power over, like say the no consequence type power, they're just going to do the worst, most depraved, most horrible thing because that's our basic instinct is to rape and murder and and if when we if we can do it free of legal constraint then the purge happens you know what i mean like that's kind of what the show it's it's not a new idea that human beings i think it's basically the original idea of science fiction isn't it i mean it's kind of in frankenstein albeit with a lot more sort of self-loathing but like i because we see this idea so often now like that you mentioned the purge Mm -hmm. but it's not to say that you can't do an old idea well and there's clearly a lot of money and a lot of polish behind this. I just don't know how much patience I have for it. Mm-hmm. Especially because if they want this to go on for like five, six, possibly even more than that seasons, I don't know where you take it. Do you go mm-hmm. and see all the other worlds? Well, yeah. so in the book and the movie, now I haven't seen the book and the movie. I've, I did my Wikipedia homework. Westworld was just one of, I believe, four. So, you know, they'd have the medieval one, the Westworld, but the show... It's expensive, all the set decorations, and really you can do a lot with, like, if you're just using it as a set piece to set your big drama of humanity, you don't need the others, so you just see the one. Like, you just have Westworld. 
Hunger Games. Can we mention the Hunger Games as an inspiration slash kind of contemporary parallel visual style guide? Because a, there's an actor in common. The actor who played BD in the Hunger Games is one of the essentially game Jeffrey makers Wright. here. Yeah. yeah, he's great. I, I I was happy to see him. Oh, I guess we're talking about actors. We should mention that Anthony Hopkins is like the big headlining draw to this. And he does not give a fuck if you read interviews. He was asked about it and he's like, you know, what? I just tend to forget everything once I've done it. I don't really have any memories of making this and I don't watch TV. <laughs> oh, oh, so he is on Twitter now, though. What? Anthony Hopkins is on Twitter. Oh my god. That's amazing. Hold on. <laughs> He's just at Anthony Hopkins. You're not allowed to tweet Hannibal jokes at him all day, Raiden. That sounds like something you would do. Oh, well, you know, I spoiled it. <laughs> <laughs> he has six tweets and he's following ten people. Oh. His first tweet, since I control one virtual world, I thought I would seep into another. So that Best. sounds like his publicist forced them to. <laughs> Just have fun with it. It's okay. <laughs> so with the Hunger Games, if people who've seen the movies remember the way they uh, had the game makers kind of have this holographic overview of the Hunger Games arena, and that's exactly the style they went to in the West World. So you see all the people who are running the park have this, you know, big hologram of of the world, so they can keep an eye. And obviously, they're they're fully controlling all the androids. So it, it, while humans are issued weapons where the, it it can kill kill, quote-unquote, any android character but cannot harm another human. Mm-hmm. But it's funny because I saw one comment, I don't remember where online, possibly in the comment section of some review, a viewer was saying, okay, but you also see people with knives? Like, what's stopping the humans from just stabbing each other? <laughs> the The rules of how they keep everybody, would keep everybody safe in this park are very hand-wave away, don't think too much about it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, that was one of the things that kind of got me about the, at least the pilot, is there's just something sort of maddeningly inconsistent with it. Mm-hmm. Like, there's all these incredibly lofty ideas, albeit ones that have been explored before in fiction, but it, it almost feels like they're kind of limited by... It's like they're almost limited by their budget. It's like, we could do all these things, but we really need to just show you all of the cool ways we make robots, which is very cool. And the opening credits to the show are very cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they're kind of like the Bjork video for All is Full of Love, if you've ever seen that. And there's great acting. Um, Ed Harris is terrifying. And Evan Rachel Wood is really wonderful. Like, I think this is the first time I've really seen her in something where it's like, wow, she is great. Mm-hmm. And I understand that she has obviously been very defensive, but, you know, please understand the show within its context when it comes to things like the rape. Right. But I'm kind of tired of being told, look at the context, or this is the real world, or this actually happens, and, you know, we should show like- the brutalities of world to defend this kind of thing, because... Especially when we're in an age of things like, and I haven't seen Jessica Jones, but one of the things that it was really lauded for is the way that it handled sexual assault and rape and the brutalizing of women without having to rely on constantly showing it and glorifying it. Right. And actually showing aftermath of what it's like to have that happen to you. Mm-hmm. Or even something like Mad Max Fury Road is wonderful at that. There's no like dramatic flashback moment for Furiosa where you find out all the horrible things that happened to her. She doesn't need to explain it. You know it and you understand it and you're smart enough to go along with that. Mm-hmm. I just I can't help but feel like stuff like that. what happens in Westworld, there's just all of this money and all of these people. It's J.J. Abrams, it's Jonathan Nolan, brother of Christopher Nolan, it's Lisa Joy, all these really great people. And then it just feels a little lazy. 
It's very HBO. Like the oh, uh, yes. the new oh just side note before I forget but for acting with Thandie Newton's in it too and I love her. Mm-hmm. Oh, she's wonderful. But it's when you go into it and in all kind of the the rape of the androids by the humans and then just the nudity, just sheer amount of female nudity. It's very like oh it's HBO and we are required to have you know five X naked breasts. Of boobs per- yeah, X number yeah. of boobs per episode. Like it's it was very that. And also I'd like to point out that they took this view of. So as the in in universe the corporation that runs Westworld right they're not gonna tell say a black client or an Asian client that well anachronistically like you wouldn't have the same rights as whatever like you 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 come to the world and you are who you are and it applies to the way they model the androids as well except if you're a Native American oh it's like the last acceptable frontier of race well it's not the last acceptable frontier of race but you know yeah. it's you know there's the only so. The cowboys and Indians, so all the Native American. There's no characters. There's androids, and they're all shown as you know the savage, brutal people who scalp you. And it's just like wow, wow, wow. Show you've you just made me very uncomfortable. Like it's just, not even uncomfortable, just kind of angry. I don't know. It was very reductive. Well, that was what I was thinking in terms of not just the, the lazier aspects of it. But the way that this thing is kind of justified, you know how like all of the rape on Game of Thrones is justified as, but it's historically accurate and there's fucking dragons there. Right. It's yeah. the same kind of thing as like, well, this is what people would have done in the old West. And it's like, okay, first of all, you have androids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I know that you're trying to go for this is giving them the most authentic experience possible, but the inconsistencies within that as well. I, I will give them the benefit of a doubt and it's assume that there is some point later on where maybe they do explain it. I probably shouldn't give them the benefit of the doubt. I wouldn't. Because, especially in terms of, because this thing, this isn't just a HBO drama. This, this is one that they want to be a prestige drama. Like they yeah. want this to get Emmy nominations and wins. They want this to get covers on, you know, Vanity Fair and Variety. They want this to be held up as, you know, in fifteen years' time, written in books as one of the great landmarks of television. It's clear that they want all that, and they're just. And they're doing it by playing to such a specific limiting set of rules because the assumption is, well, people will just give us the benefit of the doubt on that front. And I'm kind of exhausted with that. I'm exhausted with the fact that I see rape on TV more than good sex. Yeah. I tweeted on Friday that I realized that I have wrinkles on my forehead just from the past, like, three months of constantly having the what the fuck and the I'm angry face. And I've got that right now, so HBO is giving me more wrinkles. Thanks, HBO. Thanks. <laughs> Can that be the title of the episode? <laughs> HBO is giving you me more, more wrinkles. wrinkles? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there are people who have different opinions on the show. There are people who have been very... You know, have written very strongly on what they see as being more sort of transgressive elements and it being a critique of that kind of toxic masculinity and things. Uh-huh. Um, I don't know if I will stick with this show. I will stick with it if my dad sticks with it because I'm just fascinated to see what my dad thinks of this. Because he's almost run out of Walking Dead episodes to watch and he needs something mm-hmm. else. And I think, especially with the past two weeks or so of... The U.S. campaign, I'm sorry, but I feel like this is a relevant statement to make. With all of these women coming forward and going, no, this 
this groping, this casual sexual harassment and sexual assault has happened to me multiple times in my life. That, like, like we need to put rape out there so people understand that this is a thing that happens. It's like, oh my god, but we fucking know. We know because it happens to us. Like, maybe men don't realize it, but I don't think men are the ones who are getting the message you think you want them to get or you say you want them to get so i don't really know what you're trying to do here really you know what i'm saying yeah that's also very true in terms of um um it was uh, the wonderful linda holmes from npr she was at the television critics association yeah and there was a panel with hbo and westworld and she asked the head of hbo you know there's a lot of rape on your network. You seem kind of reliant on it as a storytelling device. Why is that? He couldn't answer. No, he hadn't even thought that that, that was something that he needed to prepare for. He didn't even seem to understand that it was a problem, that this just seemed to be built into the like the, the skin of HBO. And it has been there pretty much since the beginning with something like Oz. And yeah. then obviously Sopranos, The Wire, um, Game of Thrones, the big one. Mm. If not necessarily full-on brutality of women but certainly exploitation and objectification of women yeah and even on the shows well when women do kind of get a break with something like like sex and city which i think his legacy has actually been kind of downplayed because you know it's not the big masculine you know auteur show or something like the sopranos but it's almost been written out of history of hbo because they're too busy with let's tell the stories of terrible men and then assume that the audience is smart enough to know that they're not men to be empathized with and if we have these women around we're supposed to know it's a critique of that yeah i'm so ex- i'm so sick of hearing the excuse it's satire mm-hmm. like i don't think these people know what satire is mm-hmm. hell i don't even i know what satire is anymore because it's been so wrongly used exactly see it make someone make shows where like women get to have a good time please yes mm-hmm. Like and at the same time, come, all Sean not- Bean gets to do is sit and eat an ice cream and cuddle a kitten. <laughs> yeah, he's earned that for God's sake. He, he's earned that. He's earned that. Everybody has a lovely day. Uh, to be fair, Sean Bean hasn't died for like two movies. <laughs> it's almost a running streak now. I know. <laughs> not going to last. Okay, can I talk about a show that's making me really happy? Yes, please. Pitch. Pitch is on Fox. It's about the first woman playing in in Major League Baseball. She's a pitcher for the San Diego Padres. And it's... It, it doesn't really pull any punches about all of the pressure she's under. Her name is Jenny Baker. She's 23 years old. She's been, her dad pushed her into being the, the best ball player he could mold her into. So there's a lot of flashbacks. Sometimes the flashbacks are kind of awkward and like, oh my God, we get it. Of the things that she had to give up in order to develop her talent. But like her first game... She's greeted by hundreds and thousands of little girls and young women holding up signs saying, I'm next. And her player number is 43. One more than Jackie Robinson. 
so there's like the trying to navigate how to integrate herself into her team when her team's like you are here as a show pony and figuring out how to navigate the world of major league baseball when she's been in the minors but the minors is a completely different animal how to figure out what she really wants and also mark paul glossier glossier i don't even know how to pronounce his last name zach morris from saved by the bell plays the catcher of the team and pitchers and catchers have a have a have to have a really good working relationship and i totally believe that this is who zach morris grew up to be and that makes me happy Allie Larder is in it as Jenny's um, agent, and uh, it's a great ensemble show. If you understand things about baseball, there's stuff for you, but they also make it clear what's going on if you don't actually understand baseball. The Padres let them shoot in their stadium, so it's like they have the big set piece as opposed to, like, this is a dinky minor league stadium that, uh, yeah, we're totally going to pretend like it's a major league. So it's great. It's not doing well, so I need people to watch it. Um, I will have a Stuff You Should Be Watching post on it on Smart Bitches this week. But yes, it's a lot of fun. The actress who plays Ginny is really good. She's really, really good. I don't really totally believe that her arm muscles can pitch a 90 mile an hour fastball but you know suspension of disbelief is a thing her name is kylie bunbury that's a really fun name that's a great name and she is brand new to the world i mean she's been in things but mostly in small roles so yeah yeah watch pitch people it's fun it's lots of fun. Occasionally, I will tweet questions to my former roommates who were baseball nerds, and I'm like, "Wait, so she's in the National League? That means she has to hit balls sometimes, right? Because the National League is weird." So baseball is a sport, right? <laughs> baseball is a sport. It's the mm-hmm. one where they run around the bases and they play lots and lots and lots and lots of games over the summer. So it's like rounders. Sure. Okay, I'm on your page. <laughs> the Jays are now losing now that they made it to the championship series, so I've lost interest. Come on, Jays, you gotta beat the Cleveland racists. You gotta. They're down to get, you know, so whatever. whatever. Come on, Jays, no. I'm on your side, bat flips and all. I still don't get what... There's, there's, there's nothing to get. It's <laughs> old white men being grumpy about young brown men being young brown men. Come on, Jays. Come on, Cubs. I want my, my Jays Cubs World Series. I don't know how I became a person who cared. I don't. I don't. <laughs> Sorry. There is uh, another show we wanted to mention, mostly for the things it's not doing for us right now, and that's Designated Survivor. <laughs> I like it, even though it's not good. <laughs> I'm an episode behind. I haven't seen the latest one yet, but that was the show where when they advertised it, it's okay, well, you could be my West Wing. All over the place. Oh my god, all over the place. So many ads. It's on NBC, so there's so many ads during the Olympics. Oh my god. So if it's on it's NBC, West it's going to last, like, well, eight episodes? <laughs> no, it's been renewed for a full season. Really? 
it's been picked up for a full season. NBC doesn't have anything else going on. Yeah, because they canceled all the stuff we liked. Yes, it's true. It's true. I'm not going to argue with you there, but they picked it up for the whole season. So Designated Survivor takes that uh, concept that when the president gives a State of the Union, somebody in the line of succession, some minor secretary of something, something or other, has to stay behind the White House in case something happens, and then no, something happens! The that, is, that is too obvious. They are placed in an undisclosed location now. Oh, okay. It's yeah. essentially Battlestar Galactica without the space travel and the robots. Yep, and there's a devastating attack on the Capitol during the State of the Union, so Kiefer Sutherland, who was the Secretary of... Housing and Urban uh, Development. It becomes president by way of the Succession Act of 1948, I believe. So it's part, like, the political drama of how do you rebuild a government when all this shit has gone down. And your guy doesn't actually... Never, never planned for this. Has never thought about it at all. And then there's also the conspiracy thriller of, oh my god, what happened? Which is like a completely different show that barely intersects with the Kiefer Sutherland show. So there's like the Maggie Q show, and there's the Kiefer show, and occasionally they sort of drift near each other. (laughs) See, there were a couple of things. One is, they had... Uh, this was like the second episode. So obviously this being set kind of in the contemporary political climate, this is a show that goes well. If this kind of terrorist attack happens, a lot of people are going to just blame Muslims in general. So then the governor of Michigan, I want to believe, yep, starts Michigan. essentially instituting the, the, the Japanese model of internment camps but for Muslims. And then a teenager gets beaten to death by the police. And honestly, that it's... It just, it was so realistic, essentially, that it was like, well, I'm depressed enough about this stuff in real life. It wasn't fun watching it in TV. Like, not that it's meant to be fun to watch that kind of violence TV, but you know what I mean? Like, it's still meant to be a show mm-hmm. that that you watch for entertainment value, and this was just kind of too close to home. It is, but uh, watch the next episode. The other thing is, I'm pretty sure at this point, this is not one of the shows where the showrunner slash creator has scripted it out five seasons in advance so i'm pretty sure they simply don't know who they're going to make responsible what the conspiracy is going to turn out to be they're just going to go where the show goes and and make it up as they go along and have twists and turns and like a lot of the time those shows really don't do it that well so i'm not looking forward to that bit yeah we'll see i'm enjoying it it's not a satisfying scratch of my west wing itch but it's kind of the best i got Because, again, my HBO Go access is gone, so I can't watch Veep. What about that show, Madam Secretary? Is that still on? Yeah, it's still on. That one's good, too. I enjoy that one. I watch it while building Ikea furniture. (laughs) How how often are you building Ikea furniture? It seems to be, like, the fourth biggest thing that you do. (laughs) I didn't go to Ikea yesterday. (laughs) I don't have a problem. (laughs) I quit anytime I want. <laughs> now I watched, I binged all of season two while building my kitchen island and my sideboard and my bookshelves. So I like building IKEA furniture. I find it emotionally soothing. Hey, we're not judging. Yes, you are. You're judging all the time. Do they have IKEA in the UK? Of course they do. Yes. <laughs> IKEA is everywhere. I don't know. IKEA, IKEA is literally everywhere. There's a huge Ikea in Edinburgh, and they sell amazing cinnamon buns. 
Yes, they do. Yes, they do. And October 4th was Sweden's National Cinnamon Bun Day. Oh my god. By the way. What? The thing. It's a, it's a great day to have. It is a great day to have. Every country should have a National Cinnamon Bun Day. I think Agreed. that would improve the climate of the world a lot. I think I should make cinnamon buns this week. Yes, you should, and then you should send them to me. Well, the official Hannibal cookbook is arriving next week as well, so... Mm-hmm. <laughs> I should combine my talents. I've also been watching Speechless. Which I oh, think is... I really want to see Speechless. It's not available here either, damn it. God damn it. Right? I've been watching so much, it's pretty much any YouTube clip of it I can get my hold my hands on, because I, I really enjoy everything Mini Driver does. Yes. And that well kid, um, Micah Fowler, has impeccable comic timing. Oh god, he's amazing. He's amazing. So, Speechless, if you don't know what it is, is a family sitcom about the family of a kid with cerebral palsy, where they actually cast someone with cerebral palsy in the role... You know it's crazy. And Mini Driver is the the mama wolf who is there to defend her son and get him what he needs, no matter what the costs. And they are constantly exploring kind of the the pressure that this has on the other kids in the family and how he's growing how he can grow up and become more independent without needing his mom all the time and how she can grow up and not need him all the time because like that's been her identity for the past 16 years Uh, it's really fascinating and it's really funny also lampoons people who are who really just mean well and are like you're such an inspiration micah and he's like no i'm kind of an asshole and i will use you (laughs) (laughs) you want to elect me president for no reason whatsoever yeah okay i'm assuming that's president of a school body and not like the united states Eh. (laughs) (laughs) Eh. we'll accept (laughs) yeah I, i really want to see that one i think abc have kind of nailed the the family comedy mold yeah. In a way that it's left other networks kind of terrified to try. Because mm-hmm. they've got Modern Family is obviously their biggest one, but they've got Blackish, they've got Fresh Off the Boat, they've got The Real O'Neills, and now they've got this. Yeah. And I'm really glad that they let Minnie Driver keep her English accent. Because mm-hmm. everything just sounds so much more funny and terrifying when she just it really, says it really does. So I hope that one comes here because I really have really loved what I've seen so far. And I could watch Micah Fowler give people the finger for days. <laughs> That's the finger. It's still a work in progress. I'll need to check that out. We have a new sitcom on CBC in Canada. It's called Kim's Convenience. Uh, and it's based on a stage play that the creator now adapted for TV. And it's about a convenience store run by a Korean-Canadian family where the parents are immigrants, but their kids are first-generation Canadian. And it's aired two episodes, like it's only just premiered the previous week. It got pushed back due to baseball, because the Jays were winning then. Mm. <laughs> we watched a couple of episodes with my husband, who's Korean-American, and his comment was essentially, was like, well, this is like watching home. <laughs> so, it's pretty funny. I'm, I really read for Canadian content, because we really had some great shows, like I love Flashpoint. I loved Arctic Air. Like, I'm so happy Murdoch Mysteries is still on the air. It's been ten seasons, oh my god. 
Wow. Um, we've got some of our shows are really good, so it's nice when they. Um, so I really root for them, and uh, it's one of the sitcoms I'm going to be watching this season, definitely. Oh, Timeless! Timeless is ridiculous. I kind of want to see time that travel one, one. Oh, it's ridiculous. That doesn't mean that I'm not, you know, don't have a season pass for it because I do. Uh, but yeah, it's ridiculous. And it's always kind of the question of how much did you really think about your time travel mechanics? I'm not sure. There's only been two episodes so far, and every time they come back, something has changed due to the change, the minor changes they made to the timeline because not all of the people died on the Hindenburg that were supposed to and now suddenly it's things are weird so uh, we'll see I, I honestly doubt it's going to get picked up for a back 13 this sounds like a really good summer show I'm, you know. so of course NBC would kind of cock up putting it into that schedule naturally naturally all the CW DC shows are back, mm-hmm. including now Supergirl. Yeah, I just watched that this morning. I, I need I'm, I need to catch the latest ones on my DVR, but I watched. And so good to have Cat Grant back. So yes, what do it we, is. What do we think of our Superman? He's fine. Yeah, it's... I like him better than Henry Cavill. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. Although, ooh, that's weird. <laughs> In fairness, Henry Cavill is only palatable when he's not talking in interviews and when he's in Man from Uncle movies. It's true. It's funny, Supergirl also now has Lena Luthor, Lex Luthor's sister, and it's like, it's the show where everybody's siblings go. Yes. And she's played by Katie McGrath. Yeah, that, that one is what makes me happy. I love Katie McGrath. Isn't it nice if she's going to do something that isn't being horrifically mauled by a dinosaur? Yes. Still mad about that. So mad. I will never stop being mad at Jurassic World. <laughs> that's a whole other episode. <laughs> oh, that's, I was like, oh, I'm all by it. So that doesn't happen on Merlin. And, and I was like, well, that was probably Jurassic World. I have that was it. Jurassic World, yes. Yes, or being turned into a vampire and forced to eat her mother. Dracula. Oh, yeah, that show. Yeah, that show. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that happened. And I was um, trying to convince my co-host Catherine for Bloodsucking Feminist. We should probably do an episode on that. So she started watching it and I got these incredibly long emails after the end of each episode (laughs) asking, what is going on? Who are these people? Why on earth is he Tesla? What the fuck is this? (laughs) Why isn't he Tesla? Why not be Tesla? We should all be Tesla, I guess. (laughs) I don't know. It just reminded me so much of when Cleo was watching it. I know. She has so many feelings on There it. was a show under that show that we all could have loved. It just never happened. No. But yeah, let's see. The Flash is back. I kind of like how they decided to do it. I mean, so if anybody watches that show, kind of tangentially hears about it, they ended last season with him running back again and changing time, like really changing it. But rather than spend a whole season in that timeline, they spent the pilot episode with him realizing that, oh, this was a bad thing to do because I screwed up a whole lot of people's lives. He tries to reset it again, and now he's in a timeline where things are almost the same as the original one, but not quite. And then he tries to change it again, at which point another uh, Flash comes in and has to essentially stage an intervention 
Barry, you're bad. No more time travel. You cannot fix this. <laughs> Stop it. You're bad at it. <laughs> so now we have, uh, and I think it is more interesting to have him now in a time where things are just a little off. It also gives the showrunners that freedom of slightly tweaking things that just for, for you know, storyline dramatic value and slightly affecting Arrow just to kind of show that they can. And possibly also just, you know, making slight changes whenever they want to. <laughs> Rain, ha- have you been watching Hawaii Five-O? No. <laughs> this, oh my god, that show. It's still so pretty, but the, the absurdity has gone way off the rails. Yeah. I don't know what they're trying to do. Like, why? why are we having... Why are they interrogating people in Prague? Why do Interpol agents allow them to do anything? What do you say? Why? Oh, show. Go back to Hawaii and just stay there. Why? Yeah, is uh, Danny still mostly not there? No, he's there. But I've heard now rumblings of Alex Laughlin is the one who's leading. Okay. It's, I, I don't. And, isn't, and I'm pretty sure Daniel Day Kim has a new show. He does. I don't. But he's still on Hawaii Five-0. Yeah, he's I don't... He's producing a lot of shows over the next couple of years, I noticed. Yeah. Which I love because he's awesome. Oh, definitely. Something about a lawyer or not a lawyer? Yes, Korean-American lawyer. CBS. Yeah. So it's the same It's the same network, so I wonder if they're essentially came to him like, well, we're wrapping this up, but we want to... Do you want to make a deal with us for a new show? I don't know. It's apparently an adaptation of a Korean drama. This project based on South Korean series, My Lawyer, Mr. Joe, centers on a disgraced Korean-American prosecutor who finds redemption as a defense lawyer when he pairs with a young idealistic attorney and the two fight for the underdogs of Los Angeles. That sounds right. Whatever, it's Daniel Day Kim. I, you had me at Daniel Day Kim. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of actors I love, you know, John Cho, what, what show's coming out that hasn't come out yet that we're going to watch all of? I don't know. He does have a show, doesn't he? He, like, signed on for something. Yes, that's what I'm talking about. There's, um... um... Connoisseur. The the one where the wine, or being a fake wine taster, that thing. Do you remember? Like, the plot is irrelevant. <laughs> okay. Yeah, the plot is irrelevant, although I really wish that Selfie had actually lasted. We didn't get that here, either. It's kind of a lackluster season, isn't it? No, it's not. <laughs> It's actually no. a pretty good season. It's a pretty good season. What are you talking about? And there's all the thing is we we don't really adhere to the season model anymore just because we're we're so big on things like Amazon and Netflix and various right. streaming services and uh, international shows and things. So we don't really do that as much anymore. I mean, the stuff that Netflix has coming alone, uh-huh. they've got The Crown coming, which they apparently spent 130 million dollars on. Yep. Which is their Elizabeth, Queen Elizabeth II fan fiction. Mm-hmm. Yep, and uh, Victoria just wrapped up in the UK. It'll be airing in the US on PBS in January. So we'll get our Victoria fan fiction. And you guys will also get all of the people who don't know history and know that, no, she's not going to end up with that guy. <laughs> I was going to comment all of those. Can't she end up with, the, what's his name, Melvin? Melbourne. Melbourne, Melbourne that's right. Melbourne. Why why are you shooting my Melbourne ship in the foot? Uh, Because she kind of did that on her. Oh, that happened. That already happened. 
go take a look at the Victoria Memorial <laughs> in Hyde Park and ask yourself, was she really ever going to end up with Melbourne? Come on. Come also, on. wasn't he married? Details. I mean, th- there's a certain amount of things Victorian, act- literal Victorian <laughs> Queen Victoria did not get to do, and that is marry a divorcee. Who should he ever divorce? I mean, even like that's just not a thing. Yeah, he was he was married to her to Carolyn Lamb, and also much older than her. Yep, she was eighteen. She was eighteen. Yeah, <laughs> eighteen in like a couple of weeks because William was like, "Fuck it, I'm gonna hold on until she does not need until she is of age, and her mother cannot be involved." If it's any consolation to the shippers, Queen Victoria seemed to have a really rampant love life with her actual husband. Yeah. She wasn't so keen on all the kids, but she really liked making the kids. Yeah. Yeah, the 14 or whatever they did make. Nine. Nine. Although there is... Oh, who was telling... It was Loretta Chase was telling me about a book that she had been reading. I think it was Loretta. It might have been Caroline. Um... That was somebody's dissertation that got published that was like, well, actually a lot of Victoria's personal papers were edited by men who had a a distinct agenda. So it's possible that she was not quite as indifferent or as bad a parent as the record says she was. It's hard to say because, I mean, we know that one of her daughters severely edited her diaries, which most people assume was a was mostly like, oh, God, I don't want people to know about all of the dirty thoughts mom had about dad. So we'll just take this out. (laughs) This is just too awkward for me. We'll just take this out. Also, historically speaking, the uh, British royals have been a little bit um, difficult in terms of like giving love to their children. Yeah, like the the great joke about the British aristocracy is that they like their dogs more than they like their children, mm. which you know, probably true. But, but isn't the queen down to like one corgi? I read yeah, that I heard about that. What happened to? It's like the the saddest metaphor for death ever. She's yeah. down to one corgi. <laughs> she's, she's apparently not like getting new ones, so I guess she doesn't. Aww. I will say I, I'm interested to see the crown, even though it's I'm I'm kind of bored of you know it's another British royal family story because mm-hmm. like there are really cool European royal families that have really fascinating histories. I would love to see dramas out of. Mm-hmm. Like make something about Juan Carlos of Spain. That would be fascinating. Yeah, but, you know. I would like to watch lots of pretty costumes and actors that I like. And if nothing else, I'm fascinated to see what they do with um, Prince Philip, who's being played by Matt Smith from Doctor Who. Yeah. Like, because so many of the adverts make it look like they're playing it as, like, the great love story of the century. And it's like, are you going to play up the fact that he's, like, a really big racist? Are you going to mention it, like, just a wee bit? Oh, come on. No, they're not. We'll see. It's basically like pure Anglophilia porn. Not that we're against that. No, you guys need as much money as you can get. Well, this is an American produced show. We don't even get the fucking money. No, but people will go to the UK and spend money. Oh, it's really cheap to come to Britain now, apparently, because of true. Brexit. It is. <laughs> so someone's benefiting. I don't know who, but go on. <laughs> <laughs> 
I will say, in terms of TV, the thing that we're, I think I'm the most excited for, and I think we are all very excited for, although it doesn't have an air date yet, will of course be American Gods. Yes. Right. Which will be, it will be airing sometime next year. There is not a date yet. Star Trek Discovery will be airing sometime next year. That was pushed back, which we all expected. Mm-hmm. Of the shows also still coming out is Riverdale, the Archie yep. Comics-based one. Yep, and still Starcrossed, the Shonda Rhimes, Romeo and Juliet post-play fanfic. I want it so badly. <laughs> oh, I know a show that we haven't talked about. Well, I haven't seen it. Conviction, the Haley. Um... Oh, yeah. God, now her name is leaving my... Haley Atwell. Atwell, thank you. Uh, I've watched the first episode, and mostly my feeling is, oh, sweetie, you went from Agent Carter to this? Like, she's wonderful and, you know, doing the best she can with the basic CBS procedural that's crap that's being given to her, but, oh, my God. Okay. That's a pity. Yeah. So, Kaylee, talk to us about balls. Ed Balls. (laughs) Oh, our our time has come. Our time has come. (laughs) So, 2016 has been a very bleak year. It's been joyless for the most part, and sometimes all you need is a hero. You need a hero to hold on to for the end of the night. It's got to be reasonably strong and tough and (laughs) kind of wave around his cloak half in time to the song <laughs> and he's got to make a Graydon laugh like that in time <laughs> you're not <laughs> right, so um Ed Balls that is his real name is the former shadow chancellor of the exchequer he was a former bruiser of a labour party MP who lost his seat in the last election and did what all former politicians do, which is be- try and carve out a quote-unquote broadcasting career. So this time last year, he was lecturing in Harvard University. This year, he's a contestant on Strictly Come Dancing, which is our version of Dancing with the Stars. I believe we had it first, if I remember correctly. Quite um, frankly, your title is way better. Go on. Right, isn't it? Um, so there's actually a history of politicians appearing on British reality TV shows and kind of embarrassing themselves. There's an infamous former conservative politician called Anne Widdicombe who was on the show and could not dance and they literally put her on wires and just swung her around the ballroom. There's a very famous left-wing politician called George Galloway who appeared on Celebrity Big Brother dressed as a cat licking out of people's hands. This is nothing new. So Ed Ball's doing Strictly was not necessarily a surprise. But it was just such a delightful moment because he's trying, I think. Uh, he clearly knows that he is not the best and he's not going to win the show, but he can probably get a few good weeks out of this where he can, you know, sell a few more books because conveniently he has a book out right now, as all politicians do. And this will probably bolster his reputation a little more. His, his, he was mostly known for being a bit of a, a bastard as an MP and now he gets to be sweet and cuddly and dressed up as Jim Carrey from The Mask and then he's fighting a dragon and you go ahead! So this week he was um, doing the Pasadoble, which is supposed to be a very sultry, seductive dance. He did it dressed as a knight. He had to fight a dragon, rescue the lady and then the music was holding out for a hero by Bonnie Tyler. As you can watch him dancing, you can see that he has forgotten the moves and is asking what the moves are while he's in the middle of doing them. 
And then he takes off his cloak and kind of like waves it around a bit, but he's forgotten what way to wave it. It's to me, delightful. This was, well, this amazing. wasn't his best week. Last week he did a da- it was movie week, so he did um, it, there's the dance and he was dressed as the Jim Carrey character in the mask, and he kept doing Jim Carrey impressions throughout the show with his face painted green. He had a they had contoured him like a Kardashian, except in bright green. He had like the ass chin and everything just drawn onto his face, and as he's dancing, you can see that it is beginning to slightly melt off him. Mm. Like, I am kind of downplaying just how charming he is. I've always liked Ed Balls. But it is just really fun to see him kind of throw himself into this. And every week, his wife, Yvette Cooper, who is still an MP in Parliament, is actually, you know, doing better than he is in that front, is there cheering him on and tweeting things like, this was Ed Balls variously channeling Shrek, Adamant, and Cameron from Modern Family. I mean, go on YouTube and watch it. Because, look, you need this. You need joy in your life. You do. You do. It will, it will make things better. It really will. My mom is the strictly fan in the household. Basically, it's the big Saturday night entertainment here. It is the highest rated show at the weekends. It used to be the X Factor, but the X Factor has been sinking hard. So, if you want to watch the kind of like fun public public humiliation, but where everyone's in on the joke and it's not just pointing and laughing, watch Ted Balls hold out for his hero. Like this is basically all Britain has got this year. Okay, <laughs> we fucked up everything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, can I talk about Hooten and the Lady? Sure. Okay, the worst title of any TV show ever. It's called Hooten and the Lady. I hate even saying it. Mm-hmm. It's kind of terrible. Like, it's not a good show. But it was specifically tailor-made for women who read romance novels and thought Indiana Jones was the hottest piece of shit ever. <laughs> and not Indiana Jones in, like, rugged mode, but is in professor mode. The basic concept of the show is, what if... A Lara Croft ripoff went around finding treasures with a Indiana Jones ripoff, but then they never have sex. Which I'm still kind of pissed off about, because, like, what is the point of it if your Lara Croft and Indiana Jones or Nathan Drake ripoff don't have sex? But it is a show where in the first episode they discover the lost city of El Dorado and then totally forget about it next week. Because then they discover secret Vatican scrolls. But then they totally just forget about that, because next week they discover the tomb of Alexander the Great. And then they totally forget about that, because next week they discover something to do with Buddha. I haven't watched this week's episode yet. That's Ophelia Lovebond. I didn't realise that uh, not Lara Croft was Ophelia Lovebond. Yeah. Is she someone? (laughs) She's a kind of a, hey, it's that actor. Uh, She was, uh, had a a brief role in um, Guardians of the Galaxy, but latest where I know her from, she was on Elementary. For her last previous season, she had a whole arc. Oh, was she Kitty? Yes. Oh, okay. Okay. I mean, she's basically playing Lara Croft, like, quite obviously. The show is reasonably well-budgeted, like, it doesn't look cheap. It kind of reminds me of the sort of things that would have been on syndication in, like, 1997, and you would have watched it in between episodes of Xena. Oh, good days. If you like reading romance novels, and you like stuff like Indiana Jones, and you would watch this kind of thing and just hope that they fuck. I, I would give it a go. Except they never do, apparently. That's Which I'm really annoyed about. I'm hoping they give out once they realise that the only p- people that seem to be watching the show are women who read romance novels and would fright fic about this. It also features D- Jessica Hines, who, whose ba- job is basically to be the person on the other end of the phone at the British Museum <laughs> and never leave that one room. <laughs> she gets a good paycheck for her. I hope she does well. 
I mean, hell, that's something you can do, like, your entire series of work in, like, a week. Do you remember when Tio Carrera was Relic Hunter? Oh, yeah. Oh, it's very Relic Hunter-y. It's not quite as self-aware in its cheesiness as that, but it is a show that is like, look, we know what this is. Just, you know, come over and have fun. And I do. It's a really good show to watch while you're drinking Prosecco and eating cheese. It's very specific. It's really the highest compliment I can pay a TV show, I feel. <laughs> okay, it's fair enough. But they do actually seem to be... Either they, they, either they are shooting on locations or they are shooting in an incredibly realistic back lot in Toronto. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I think it's probably going to get cancelled after season because I feel like I, me and my friends on Twitter are the only ones watching it. But I'm greatly enjoying it for what it is. I wish it was titled differently because I just hate saying the title. Yeah, the title doesn't make... No. Just, I've no. just been calling it Lara and Nathan have no fight, no sex. <laughs> <laughs> but I would read like a whole 26-part series of novels about this couple where they do have sex mm-hmm. and just go off and find incredibly famous missing relics. And then never talk about the fact that they have constantly found every mystery that archaeologists have been looking for for centuries. Yeah. Well, why would you tell people that? (laughs) It's really kind of very Groundhog Day where they get to redo the one adventure, but like slightly different each time these shows, right? Because they Mm. reset every episode. Pretty much. But we, I feel like we need more stuff like this. Just in we're, we're in this age where everything is so grim and serious and it, it, it it's only good if it is very serious and dark and you can't see half of what's going on. Right. So it's, it's a nice contrast to that. I don't feel like we get enough of that. So. Mm-hmm. See, this is what Hawaii Five-O is usually for me when they're not being just too Dumb. absurd for words. Yeah. All right, well, I think that's been our... Yeah, I think that's our TV roundup for the year. We we might have some things to say about Riverdale when it actually gets here. And American Gods. And American... We'll definitely have things to say about American Gods. Don't you worry, Internet. All right, so we'll be back next month after... After. Just after. After. <laughs> will let you know if I have fled to Alina's couch or not. It's entirely possible. She said I could. Yes. (laughs) Have a good October. Happy Halloween, everyone. Bye. 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 You have been listening to Anglophies, a Made of Fail production.